0: Hi, good afternoon and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Mary Fran Johnson, and I'm delighted to have you join us here today. This is our very first Leadership Live that we are streaming from all of our homes as we are a couple of weeks now into the COVID crisis. We've got every couple of weeks, we will be coming back to you with more CIO Leadership Lives. I have guests lined up, very uh, adventurous CIOs who are lined up with us all the way through August. And the show that you're watching now is streaming live on LinkedIn and Twitter and on IDG's Tech Talk channel on YouTube. And we encourage all of our audience members who are with us live to please use those platforms to send in any questions that you have for my guest today. We are watching that stream and we'll do our best to answer them all. So let me just dive in and um, welcome our guest, who is today is Jesse Carrillo, who is the Senior Vice President and CIO at Heinz. Jesse's responsible for directing all corporate technology, strategy, and standards for Heinz worldwide and has been with the company since 1994. Based in Houston, Heinz is a privately owned global real estate investment, development, and management firm. It's got a presence in 205 cities across 24 countries. Before rising through the ranks to lead its IT organization in 2007, Jesse led the application development teams and played a lead role in implementing the company's accounting and property management software, as well as its ERP system. Heinz has got more than $130 billion in assets under management, more than half of those where Heinz is serving as the investment manager. The company has a pioneering commitment to sustainability around the world, and it is one of the largest real estate organizations in the world. Jesse is widely known and respected in the CIO community of Houston. He's a computer scientist by training with an MBA from the University at Texas at San Antonio. And just last month, in the world before most of us were sheltering from home and working from there as well, Jesse gave the keynote address at the Texas Technology Summit in Houston. And somewhat related to what we're going to talk about today, he called his talk The Age of Skynet, which is a very distinctive nod to the Terminator series, which gives you a clue to what a movie buff Jesse really is. Jesse, welcome. It's great to have you here.
1: Thank you, my friend. Great to be here. I appreciate you letting me participate.
0: Yes. Well, and you are our very first guest since we've all had to move to a working from home situation. And I have to ask, are we getting a glimpse of your movie room behind us? Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, the the keynote was around The Terminator and that's one of my favorite movies, but I'm also a a big movie buff and a comic book collector and and go to comic conventions uh, on a regular basis. And so I'm coming to you from my media room. Uh, we were able to build this home a few years ago, and one of the mm-hmm. requirements was that I had to have a media room and be able to put up my my uh, my action figures. They're not dolls; they're action figures. Uh, but I'll give you a quick glimpse if you're interested. So, you know, of I've sure. got excellent. Mm-hmm. I've got uh, you know a lot of there stuff up, go. and th- this might scare some people, but I actually have mannequins dressed up as superheroes. Okay, people out a little bit and. If you ever walk around my house, you'll see mannequins all over my house dressed up as superheroes. Uh, oh, but really, I all
0: play, over I house. play double duty
1: because I dress them up as scary uh, creatures during Halloween. So
0: that is terrific. So your house is really popular during Halloween.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a kid at heart for sure.
0: Well, that's great, and I I have to say we've never had an office environment with a guest on CIO Leadership Live. We're coming up on almost three years doing the show. We've never had anybody with such a cool backdrop, so thank you thank you, you for providing that. Now, tell, tell us a little bit, tell the audience a little bit more about your recent talk on the age of Skynet and what sort of messages you were bringing to that Texas Technology Summit.
1: Yes, Uh, so you know, again, uh, being a big movie buff, Terminator was one of my favorites. And growing up, you know, in the '70s and '80s, uh, when it came out in '84, uh, of course, being a you know fun movie to watch, but it also had some interesting messages around what the future could look like as Mm -hmm. as more robotics started coming up into the um, the industries and business. And um, just coincidentally, I think it was 2017 or 2018 when I think the movie back in '84 said that the Terminators would rise. And then the humans would be in trouble. And so it was—it was interesting to be in in 2020 and think about you know what happened, or did it happen, or how much has actually happened that may have been predicted back in the 70s and 80s. And so yes. the, the speech or the keynote was around uh, you know where are we with robotics, uh, specifically artificial intelligence? Uh, what, you know what have we seen in in the recent years and the growth there, uh, and just you know what does it look like for the future, and and will there be additional uh, you know, speed of artificial intelligence that could run or control mm-hmm. some of our lives, uh, or maybe you know, I don't believe they'll take over our lives, but could they make our lives better? And, and yeah. as we move forward,
0: well, and it's a, it's a very apt question today: is will the current COVID crisis end up accelerating some things about the age of Skynet? And yeah. as a as a CIO who thinks deeply about these things, what what's your opinion on that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think I think you know what what you're seeing with uh, you know stay from stay at home and and
0: you
1: know, social distancing and not being able to uh, go out and do things and depending more mm-hmm. on uh, Grubhub or, or delivery services. Uh, if you think about the work that was being done before this with the drones and, and delivering packages and, uh, and, and some mm-hmm. of the robots uh, down, you know, rolling down the streets. If you think about you know, our frontline uh, health medical community uh, putting themselves at risk, uh, mm-hmm. you know, imagine if, if, if we had more robots, more, more robotics uh, being able to do those temperature tests, uh, m- meeting with the patients, not putting as many of our uh, humans at risk, and so uh, you know, I, yeah. I think about all that, and and think about other movies that that I've seen that uh, robots were there to help humans make mm-hmm. their lives more comfortable, and and help in uh, risky, dangerous situations, and and all I can think about is is wouldn't that been cool if some of that was already uh, happening today, yes. and and not having as many of our our friends and family uh, at risk either in our office buildings that are mm-hmm. still running or in, in hospitals and, and emergency personnel.
0: Right, well, and I thought it was just particularly timely and a, just a really great piece of luck that we had you scheduled today on April 15th um, because we scheduled that some months ago. And even at the time we were joking about how it was tax day and everybody might be really busy, You know, no one could have seen what was coming. But it seems particularly fortunate because everyone is starting to think about their workplaces and those corporate buildings and how safe they're going to be when they do go back to work. I know that's been on the mind of a lot of CIOs, I would, I would think, especially for you and, and your business. So tell us more about Heinz Business and where it fits into the world of commercial real estate management.
1: Yeah. And so, again, uh, you know, Heinz has been around over 60 years, a uh, private mm-hmm. company. Uh, you know, the, Mr. Heinz started it and his son, Jeff, runs it. And uh, the daughter, Laura, is starting to you know participate quite a bit more. So it's, it's staying in the family, which is exciting. Uh, you know, I've been yeah. here over 25 years and I've uh, been very fortunate to work with that family for a lot of years. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're investment, uh, you know, we're in the four food groups. We, we like to call the four food groups office, living, uh, you know, residential multifamily and then industrial logistics, and then of course retail. Uh, we're not as as heavy in, um, in the non-office sectors, but but we do have enough diversity where we have expertise, experience, and are, can see the impact of this incident on, on all four food groups. So, uh, you know, that's kind of, and again, you mentioned global, uh, you know, we were, you know, we're, we are in China, and so, you know, we can talk a little bit about more of what we learned uh, when China started to first see this, and then of course we were in Italy as well, so we saw that as well. So I can answer questions around the mm-hmm. whole COVID situation, but uh, I think just having that diversity of, of industry verticals, um, I think just gives us a, a great insight as a firm of, of how we think we might be able to come back to the offices and our, our multifamily yeah. establishments uh, or even industrial.
0: Well, and I think that's a good area to dive into right now because it was when we and when we were talking earlier about our discussion today, you noted that you saw this coming. You all saw this coming throughout your real estate properties around the world, almost the way people in Houston get used to watching for hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about the impact that that had and what it helped you to do to prepare. Uh, more easily because you were essentially sending in everyone to work from home a little earlier than most companies,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in, in general, you know <laughs> Right or wrong, you know, Houston, uh, we do have the, the hurricanes we have to deal with on an on a annual basis on uh, and, and or flooding I mean, I think, uh, you know, we show up on the news Quite a bit globally when you know, the city's underwater or about to get hit by a big hurricane and um, so, you know, for us you know, it, you know, I joked with you. This is not our first rodeo when it comes to you know dealing with situations like this. And um, I think again, being in China and having team members there um, on the front line seeing the impact of what was happening, even though it started with a small village, but then seeing how quickly it was spreading and hitting some of our projects, uh, you know, we we realized this thing was not going to be normal. You know, we had pandemic plans from the early 2000s uh, when when things hit back then, and so we had some pretty decent plans. Uh, But those, again, were more around small segments of of our offices or population. But as it started to spread as fast as it did, uh, you know, and then as it started to jump over to Italy, which, again, I mentioned earlier, we do have properties Mm -hmm. and team members in Italy. uh, We could just see it really moving fast. And so we we activated our crisis team um, sometime in mid-January, pretty early, uh, just because, again, we could see what was happening with our own people uh, and activated the crisis team starting then and uh, first communications to the company. Around, you know banning travel to China and then just mm-hmm. starting to really think about the fact that this could hit a lot of, a, of our properties all over the world uh, You know, we started activating quite a few task forces. That's you know, great. So yeah, yeah,
0: that's great well, because you, you wouldn't necessarily think that a pan, that a, a, a Disaster recovery plan from 20 years ago would have a lot of relevance. It must be right. it must be a fairly broad um, And have a lot of depth to it as a plan
1: you know, we're, we're very proud of our pandemic plans. <laughs> or, you know, any, any CIO that will tell you that their pandemic plan would cover the, en- the entire globe, uh, you know, working from home or being in a situation like this would be lying because, you know, yeah. none of us could have foreseen yeah. this type of uh, experience, uh, but I think we were well prepared for, I guess, you know, if you want to think of it, the local areas. And so, you know, most of the pandemic plans have a broad, um, Application, but then we also are very targeted to the locales, right? So certain buildings, whether they're multifamily, whether they're industrial office, they all have their spin on on the plan. Uh, But again, nobody could have seen the scale. Uh, At least none of us were thinking that, but at least we were reasonably prepared. And then I think you and I uh, spoke about this, but, you know, um, what happened to us here in Houston for Harvey, uh, which really basically shut down the city uh, for an extended period of time, I think also helped uh, really assess where we were with our uh, work from home business continuity plans and really helped us beef those up you know back in 2017 which again I think prepared us for for this type of scale
0: yeah well and and kind of extending on that too when we everybody's been calling what we're living through right now they refer to the new app the new normal mm-hmm. I kind of hope it's the new abnormal for a while and that, you know we return to some semblance of the normal in the future, but. When tenants in commercial real estate buildings are thinking about this new normal and about the return to work, what are some of the impact areas that you and you know and companies in your industry are already either thinking about or acting upon right now?
1: Yeah, so I think I mean I think what we've seen again with the advent of technology and and you know especially living in IT world, um, you know one of the things. You know, my team and I, we'd already been working remote quite a bit. I have been you know, a quarter of my team is remote on a permanent basis. They work outside of Houston. And so, uh, you know, we, we we were already kind of learning how to work outside the office. And I think a lot of organizations were already moving in that direction, thinking, okay, do I need as much office space? Uh, you know, yes. maybe I can have my teams work in office, not office. And and as a, as a world, most soft companies are mobile now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were starting to see a shrinkage of demand and us and our competitors we're all seeing shrinkage in demand for office space you know tenants were questioning how much office space they needed questioning do we need these big offices uh, you know can we have right. more people compressed into a space uh, and so we were seeing a compression and demand for office space you know right. people trying to uh, or tenants trying to put more people in, in the smaller areas and so that right. was already happening you know already in the industry and and so you saw uh, the advent of a lot of co-working uh, spaces, the WeWorks, the, the Regis, where you could rent space on demand, uh, you know, so they built out some awesome, great looking facilities where, where you could have people just rent a cube or rent a piece of a, of a yeah. table and, and sit there at the Starbucks of the world. You know, they were having all their people hanging out in Starbucks and working out of a Starbucks. And so you were starting to see this mobile workforce compressing into smaller spaces, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then all of a sudden you end up with this situation where we're being told, you have to have at least six feet of separation and, yes. and social distancing and, and don't uh, don't congregate as a group and, and don't have a lot of mass get togethers. And, mm-hmm. and so now, you know, you're now we're thinking that we uh, we take that open office floor plan to a little extreme along with our compression. Right. If you think yes. about a lot of us, including ourselves in my team, you know, we, we create a little bit of an open office environment, got rid of the cubicles, mm-hmm. put people in bullpens. Uh, got them a little bit closer together so they can collaborate more. And, and it it was working fantastic. I mean, my team members were speaking more, collaborating more, you know, they yeah. were uh, from an efficiency standpoint, it was working great. You know, uh, you know, it took a little while to get adjusted, you know, having folks closer to you and, and not mm-hmm. having that wall to separate you. But but it was it was working. And and now, mm-hmm. you know, after this, you're thinking to yourself, did we take it too far? You know, do do we now need to be uh, having more space between our employees. Uh, you know, the, this idea that you have a long table and everybody sits two feet apart. Maybe that won't work in the future. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe maybe we'll need more, you know, health rooms. Maybe we'll need quarantine rooms. You know, room mm-hmm. where people can, you know, if you're starting feeling sick, you can go into that room and stay there until you can figure out if you've got something worse. Yes. Uh, you know, or, or, you know, things like that. Maybe meetings, you know, we make the meeting room smaller so not, you don't get 15 people in a meeting room. Maybe you, you yeah. have you know four or five, and then everybody asks us to use a product like we're using today to do virtual. Uh, you know, so so I think I think it's yeah. it's definitely gonna change how we think about our office space in our in our buildings, yes. uh, and then and then also you know how people enter the buildings, uh, right? If you think about a lot of our offices have multiple doors coming in, so mm-hmm. not even from a, just a safety and security standpoint, but maybe if if we need to get to a point where we're testing. Uh, for temperatures or, or asking questionnaires or, you know, stuff like that. Do we need to, right. you know, funnel people or are we funneling too many people? And so people are coming in in batches and now they need to come in. Maybe we need a stagger of people coming in, you know, yeah. on an hourly basis. So instead of having one rush hour in the morning and one rush hour in the evening, maybe there's multiple rush hours now because people have oh, to come clever. and go from yeah. buildings at different times or go to lunch at different times because you don't want the mass of people all gathered. So it's just it's just amazing uh, you know, what this has done, just the way we think about the office space and even the way we think about our own personal lives. And
0: well, it we certainly, yeah, it certainly has accelerated all those conversations and probably giving given everybody more of an open mind toward pivoting a bit. I mean, maybe pivoting toward, you know, as you say, everyone went toward the open office situation and not everybody liked it, but they got used to it. And maybe companies in the future, there will be more alternatives. I just had a conversation with a CIO, um, uh, another Texas CIO, and she was pointing out that um, when she thinks back to some of the tiny conference rooms where they would be packed in like six of them right (laughs) on top of each other, she said, I can't see any of us being comfortable with that over the next couple of months. Um, And actually, we've got our first question from our audience here, and it's related to all of this. Uh, Do you think this pandemic has forced many companies to bring technology leaders to the table that have historically been kept on the sidelines? And that's, that's a great question. And what do you think?
1: Oh, with, without a doubt. I think, you know, I've, I've spoken to several CIOs, and, and, you know, we've all used the term, it's our, it's our time to shine, right. As a CIO, yeah. as an IT leader, uh, you know, it's, if you think about, we've always been asked, you know, do you have a BC plan, a DR plan, you know, what happens mm-hmm. in a crisis? And we've always, the answer has always been said, yes, yes, we're ready. Uh, you know, we, we get audited on a regular basis by investors or due diligence, they wanna look at our plans and, and every mm-hmm. IT leader out there says, yep, we're ready, bring it on. But it's yeah. not until it happens that, that you really understand whether you were ready or not. And, and if you have IT leaders who have struggled getting technology in, in, in within their companies or, or getting adoption of technology, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think every CIO, every IT leader needs to leverage this opportunity to, to number one, uh, really show folks that they were ready you know I mean you know yes. from a foundation perspective we have the basic, basics covered we're ready and, and and we are strategic leaders and so um, you know let us kind of guide the way out of this through technology with technology so uh, absolutely any any IT leader that's sitting on the sidelines right now is, is missing a huge opportunity uh, but, because yes, because this is our time to shine I
0: agree this is this is our time. Um, the let's talk a little bit in a little more detail about the uh, what the last two or three weeks have been like for your tech team. You mentioned that you stood up your crisis teams back in January. Did everybody's playbook essentially? You've got about forty people in your organization, and that's worldwide. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit more about how you have the IT organization structured, and what every how everybody's jobs changed suddenly over the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the way we're structured is is we're a very uh, kind of federated, decentralized model. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, for my my team here at corporate Houston is corporate. What we call corporate, I've, I have about forty team members who handle you know infrastructure, application development, project management. You know the the, the traditional IT. Uh, organization activities. And then in the regions on the field in the countries, uh, we have a mixture of IT staff members in our big hub cities, for example, mm-hmm. San Francisco, DC, uh, Atlanta, Chicago, uh, where we have two or three IT team members that handle that geographic area uh, as, as an extension of, of my team. And then internationally, especially, we have quite a few partners, uh, third-party providers that, that we work with that, that handle IT on our behalf, where we don't have a Large amount of buildings or a large amount of teammates where it doesn't make sense. to have a full-time IT staff member. So we have a mixture of, of partners and and full-time IT employees. And so that's how we try to cover the globe uh, You know holistically, and so yes. that's that's what we've done And so when this started really to, to, to start to take shape where we saw it hitting pretty much every one of our areas uh, You know, we of course in IT we, we started activating calls uh, making sure that you know, we were all communicating effectively uh, what we were seeing in our respective regions and countries, uh, along with other um, or parts of the organization. HR was doing the same thing, Corp.com. We were all doing similar things. And then just being prepared for what we saw as a wave or, or a little bit of a gradual wave because we, you know, we could see it hitting a few more countries. Uh, I think what, what I like was, was what the organization did is, is on, I think it was March 12th, like a Thursday, you know, the organization said, we're just going to go work from home, everyone. We're not going to try to figure out how to stagger it we're going to just say, you know, let's just be smart and let's just take the Band-Aid off. Um, right. You know, Jesse, you've been telling us your team is ready. And so let's just take the Band-Aid off and, and get everybody working from home. And uh, mm-hmm. kudos to my team. Uh, you know, they were ready. Uh, you know, we we're ready from an infrastructure help desk. Uh, kudos to some of the business folks out there. We have some really strong business leaders and, and, and team members that, you know, that took extra time to test their respective areas, make sure that uh, they could connect a uh, mm-hmm. you know, month leading into. The, the the decision to go uh, work from home, so we, yeah. we were testing all along, and uh, so over that weekend it was a pretty tough weekend for the team, as you can imagine, just getting everybody ready. Uh, t- tough for the employees because they were all trying to figure out, you know, swinging by stores to buy equipment they needed for their houses. You know, we gave them guidance of what to have at your home for your home office, mm-hmm. but you know, running to the store, taking their laptops home. Some people had to take their desktops home. Some people had to take their dual monitors home. And mm-hmm. so again, it was it was a mad scramble for two or three days. Yeah, Uh, trying to get themselves prepared for that following Monday and, um, you know, testing our VPN access and and all our technology and, uh, you know, knock on wood, that Monday came and we had, would you expect some support calls around uh, access and and people not being able to connect? But uh, I would say by the middle or end of that week, the first week, uh, you know, folks were doing really reasonably well uh, remotely. Uh, You know, folks, of course, you you forget that there's still a a need for paper. uh, And so people forgot their printers or. Didn't have printers. And so we gave guidance on go, go to your local store and get a printer, and here's the models that we'd recommend. And uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, we, we made all the right um, decisions and, and said the right things. And, and so folks were operational. And so I, I would say we've been at it uh, since the 16th, uh, the official uh, work from home date. And so for us, it's about a month. Um, I would say the last couple of months uh, is feeling more normal. Uh, you know, we, we still have our stand up calls, we've changed them from daily now, they're every other day. Yes. Uh, from an IT perspective. And I think other groups are doing the same thing. And I just got—I had a call this morning with the team and um, yeah. everybody's laughing, smiling, you know, talking about it. just normal support calls. It, it, it feels like we're back at the office. Um, so, I mean, kudos to the company and, and the employees out there. They've adjusted uh, tremendously well. And um, HR just did a recent pulse survey of all our employees uh, last week on, you know, questions about how you're doing, how's technology, yeah. you know, do you have all the resources you need? And uh, I would say, 95% response rate said yes. Uh, so yeah. it's just um, the good and bad is, is, you know, we're a real estate firm. And so we want people in offices, we want people in our locations. Yes. But, you know, yeah. even as a and real estate not firm, not open yet. Yeah. Work from home does work.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it was interesting too, you made another point when we talked before about it wasn't just whether you were ready with all the technology, but how was the global infrastructure going to hold up to right. this, you know, firms? Did you have many incidents there where you had to say to the, the business owners, well, it's really not us. It's uh, it's the phone company yeah. or that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, no, it, it was funny because it became my phrase for about two or three days because, uh, you know, as, as, as you can imagine, the entire world world all of a sudden working from home, the residential infrastructure wasn't quite ready from a telecom perspective. And even our cellular networks were probably not ready for, you know, everybody getting on, on cellular. And so uh, you know you'd get on some of these calls and, and you'd lose connections or or folks were having trouble connecting to a call, uh, whether it's mobile or whether it was uh, a video call. And uh, so of course our our emails were were being overloaded with people, our employees, you know, make it faster, make it better. Uh, you know why are we having so many problems? And in my phrase for about two or three days, became it's uh, it's not us, it's them. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, you know, our stuff is working. It's, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the telecom is just struggling. Um, and yes, but again, credit to the the Verizons AT&Ts, and you know, of all of them of the world, they they stepped up, and and you know, it's amazing uh, as a as a world what we can do when when you're put in a crisis mode. And uh, you know, I, I would say the last week. Uh, week and a half, I, I've not heard of major significant, you know, problems with people's internet or,
0: or yeah, cellular service.
1: Like, and, and so again, it seems uh, like
0: things have stabilized, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and related to that, we've got a couple more questions. Um, one of them is in this COVID-19 time, how do we overcome work challenges if we're also looking to learn a new technology? How do you plan for that?
1: Well, I mean, I think again, going back to the you know, kind of on a humanitarian side, I mean, uh, it's amazing, mm-hmm. and I, I love this that, that a lot of um, software providers, a lot of providers out there, a lot of organizations have opened up their their technologies. I mean, I I, mm-hmm. I, I I look on the internet, and there's article after article of you know software company A giving away their software or or letting people use it for sixty yes. days or ninety days, and so it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. The number of learning organizations out there that have you know even like I know we're using LinkedIn, but they have their learning mm-hmm. side and they've opened it up. And so there's so much opportunity out there for folks to take courses and classes that you yes. have to pay for in the past. And so now uh, if you're sitting at home thinking, well, I, yeah, I can't do a hundred percent of what I could do at the office. So I have a little bit more free time. I mean, this is a great time to take advantage of some of the free resources. Now the companies are making available. That's uh, great. And so I, I'd say leverage that, you know, yeah. it's a, and that's what I'm telling my team. And I'm telling uh my employees and then from a learning development platform we have a really strong team there and they've stood up a lot of personal development a lot of management training a lot of uh, how to use teams how to use zoom and all these other mm-hmm. products that we're all leveraging for to for video conferencing and so they're trying to educate our own employee base yes uh, so yeah the learning doesn't stop just because we're working from home
0: yeah. Yeah. Have you, do you have um, a way that you're informing people about those kind of opportunities? Mm-hmm. Is that something that your marketing or your, your HR organization kind of keeps tabs on?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we did is, is we really leveraged our intranet for this situation. Oh, so we stood up, mm-hmm. we, we call them hubs. We, we, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but we love the term yeah. hub. Uh, so we okay. stood up a uh, employee hub for this crisis. And, and so we're posting everything there. We're using that as our educational tool, Uh, You know, we also set one up just for officers or leaders where they can put more sensitive information as we start dealing with some of the more business sensitive uh, things. So just, again, provide guidance to a global firm uh, to make sure we're all saying the same thing. It becomes a one Heinz message with our investors, our tenants uh, and and our employees. Uh, As a firm, you know, we're having Monday morning calls with the entire firm uh, where Jeff and, and the leaders of the firm, speak to the situation and, and mm-hmm. offer advice and, and what we can do and, and point people back to the hub. Uh, we've, the company and, you know through HR has done a great job focusing on, on health and wellness. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we've had uh, speakers during those calls speak about the virus itself and educate us, some doctors educate us around what it really means and, and how to stay safe even more than That's what right. you're hearing in the news. And so uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a welcome to have those speakers speak to our employees we've had um, psychiatrists and, and counselors speak to us about mental well-being and mm-hmm. meditation and, and how do you keep yourself, um, you know, and, and comfortable in an environment like this and, and things, tips and tricks to do to, to get, you know, get beyond this. And uh, so I think as an organization, I couldn't be prouder of how we've tried to communicate to the employees, you know, about their health, their safety, but also from a business perspective, you know, inside of what we're seeing uh, around the business community and the real estate. And, and again, we're trying to be as transparent as we can, as, as honest as we can, not scare people, but you know, just right. be open and honest. And I think as a firm, that's uh, what we've been known for is, is transparency. And, and we're doing that during this crisis as well with our employees.
0: Well, and you mentioned when we talked earlier that it can be very helpful at a time like this to be a private company because you don't have the ups and downs of the quarterly stock market. Uh, in your face all the time. Um, related to that, I, we have a question about, and this is one of those tougher questions. Given oh. more organizations will need to reduce their costs, uh, do you envis- envisage much reduction in IT spending? And if so, where are those cuts likely to happen? That's a big crystal ball question, but yeah, yeah, and I again, I,
1: to it. <laughs> you know, and it, it's again, it, it, you know, I'll speak. I'll speak for me and, and just my career at Heinz. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I I said, this is our time to shine. I mean, I I think every IT leader should be going out there and saying, you know, this is why we exist. This is why I've asked for some of those dollars. I mean, my strategy and my team strategy for a lot of years now has been cloud-based, you know, and and early on, you know, I I would say myself and a few of my peers have been some of the early proponents. And even inside the company, we struggled with, well, you know, why do we have to do that? The cost, you know, recurring cost is more every year than, than buying a product or service once every five or seven years. And, um, but, you know, making the case for why you need to put some technology in, in place at before a crisis like this. And so now, you know, you're able to say, this is why we did that. This is why we spent the money. This is why we harden our cybersecurity to make sure people can work from home. This is why we have cloud solutions so that we don't have to be dependent on physical right. equipment or data centers. And so I think every IT leader out there should be focused on, on not reducing their headcount, not reducing their cost, but really thinking, through their technology stack and the people they have on staff and saying, okay, you know, what skills do we need to make sure we have coming out of this? What skills, uh, you know, maybe are not no longer needed because we have moved to the cloud, but those are still important people because they have an intellectual knowledge up here and how do I retool and retrain them and use some of these free technologies that are out there even today yes. to do that. So, so I, I would imagine, I would hope that from a technology, speaking on technology only, mm-hmm. that, that That we don't see much change because this is, again, hopefully we've proven why we exist. And and this is the important part going even more going forward. Uh, Other sides of the business, unfortunately, it's going to be trickier and tougher. I mean, here in Houston, you know, we're dependent on oil and gas and that's, you know, I've spoken to some peers and they're struggling right now, of course, and and then other industries Mm -hmm. will struggle. I mean, real estate, to be honest, we will struggle in some areas. Some verticals Mm -hmm. will struggle more than others. Uh, But again, it's a crystal ball right now. and, And, you know, all of us are trying to figure out what we think it's going to look like. And we have a really strong uh, research team in Heinz, and they're looking at this, and, and we're having conversations at the leadership level, and, uh, but it's hard to tell. I mean, I think yeah. hopefully over the next 30 days is, is you know, what we see what's happening with the news and, and folks trying to figure out a way to get the economy you know, restarted to some degree. I think that'll, mm-hmm. that'll help, uh, but I'm, I'm hoping most IT leaders out there listening are really leveraging this opportunity.
0: Yes, well, I keep thinking of that phrase about not letting a good crisis go to waste. Right, and um, there was I a lot Winston of that.
1: I love Winston Churchill.
0: <laughs> yeah, and when we, uh, when they're. When a lot of the big data breaches got into the news, yeah. a lot of companies, a lot of boards of directors woke up to how important cybersecurity protections were and how it might have been an area of their mm-hmm. technology that they had neglected for 20 years, thinking, who's going to attack us? Who wants our data? Who wants right. our data? We make shoes for a living. Why should right, exactly. we have a, you know? Um, and again, and
1: I think it's, it's just, it's those things that we did up front with cyber. I think for most of us, you know, in IT, we're very ecstatic that we did because, again, they've been they've been able to translate over to the work side. And so, you know, the fact that, that people can connect from home on multiple devices in multiple ways and we still feel comfortable from a cyber perspective that we're protecting our environments.
0: Yeah. Well, and uh, one of our early questions that I hadn't gotten to yet was actually more about that rising to the occasion for IT leaders. How do you provide mentoring to IT managers who are aspiring to become executives, who, are, who want your job one day? And this is just not even about the crisis, but just about uh, Jesse as a CIO and a manager. What are some of the things that you do to mentor your team and make sure that they're mentoring others? Right
1: yeah so I, I think anybody knows me and, and um, knows that, that I try to be open and honest and transparent and 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 I and I want you know i've've told my what I call my top leadership in it is is that I want you to have my job you know I, I, you know my job as an IT leader is, is for me to elevate my team members my my leaders, my managers and then have them do the same with their folks and and for me, my job then is to find other opportunities within Heinz to to help the business and I've been doing that you know my whole career and uh, and so I'm pretty transparent, honest with my my leadership team, and they're included in most of my conversations, even the tough ones, uh, just because I want them to understand, um, you know, how to deal with tough situations. If if I'm always just mm-hmm. telling my managers the good stuff and never the bad stuff, then how are they going to learn how to deal with the tough situations? Uh, yeah. You know, how are they going to? And so even bringing them into meetings uh, where I'm the only one invited, but I'll bring them along with me because I want them to see the dynamic of interfacing with other business leaders and and some of the hard questions that I get asked as an IT leader. I want them to hear how I respond. I want them to see how I respond. Uh, and then I want them to do the same thing with their team members. You know, I want them to bring them into meetings. I, I don't want, I don't want our, our managers to, f- to feel that they have to be the gatekeeper to all information and and, and just funnel bits and pieces. Uh, yeah. And I've never been like that with my teams. Um, you know, from top to bottom, uh, you know, they I communicate about everything, the good and the bad. Yeah. Because I think yeah. as humans, we we need to know about the bad as well. You know, you, you can tailor the mm-hmm. message. Uh in, in a different way, but uh, but it's better to to talk about the challenges and then pretend that everything's great Uh, and then have everybody surprised that you know later on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that the communications and the soft skills um, are Easily the most important skills of any kind of leader, whether you're a technology leader or not. Um, but I know tech leaders have, since most technology leaders are fairly introverted and kind of quiet and thoughtful people. Um, maybe maybe you're one of the exceptions. You definitely seem like more of an extrovert. Not a robot.
1: I am not a robot. <laughs> not
0: a robot. <laughs> um, I think that. That's that's just so true um, about how much people really want to be able to discuss and bring these things forward one of the other uh, questions we had, this one moves over to application development projects and whether those have been impacted for um, Hines and are you seeing specific challenges or bottlenecks in app dev? Because probably that, all that collaboration we were talking about earlier and how much app dev folks need to sometimes be right there with each other, throwing ideas back and forth, how has that been working for you so far? And are there things that you're changing to make sure it keeps working well?
1: I would say, just, again, just because of where we were before uh, with a lot of folks working remote already, you know, we already had processes, procedures for remote video conferencing. We already had check-ins. You know, we had team meetings. We were using collaboration tools. Um, you know, actually, my, my head of application development is, is remote. You know, she lives mm-hmm. in a different city. So, uh, you know, her team... Oh, that's great. Uh, is here yeah. back in Houston. And so she works very effectively with them, with the tools. And she's been doing that for a couple of years. And she's uh, one of my top leaders. And so I think having that experience already um, hasn't impacted our application side or even our operation side too much uh, because we already had those tools in place. Uh, yes, we do all miss um, hanging out, uh, spending time together. And I think, you know, going back to a statement I made earlier around real estate that it's it's funny that. Uh, you know, we want people in the offices, and, and this is showing as we can work from home. But I think one of the things we've seen with these video calls and, and all the happy hours that we're all attending uh, you know, is that we do want that social interaction. We do want to be around people. And, and so mm-hmm. I think uh, even though this is going gonna, gonna to change real estate, I don't think it's going to be as drastic. Me personally, I don't think it's going to be as drastic as, as it could be because we do want to be around our people and yes. the, we do want to interact. And uh, and so I think that is the, the piece that we miss. I mean, uh, you know, I, I love it when mm-hmm. I get on calls with my team and we're all laughing and we're joking because that's the environment we have back at the office. And, and it, yeah. it just feels closer to the end of the tunnel when I see that, because I do want to be back at the office. I do want um, to interact. And, um, and so I think that is all part of, again, the, the leadership, the mentoring, that, that vibe that we have in the office culture that, that we're trying mm-hmm. to re- replicate a little bit with video and, yeah. and succeeding to some degree. But, but I do think we want to be back at the office. But uh, I don't think it's impacted our, our ability to do the application development or operations. I think it just slowed us down a little bit. Uh, just mm-hmm. as we got over this initial hump. And then also just being cognizant of the fact that we're, we are partnered with the business side. And then you know there are folks out there that we're depending on to keep our projects going, and, and we need to be mm-hmm. mindful of their situations as well. So I think everyone as an organization has been you know working well and, and being nice and, and making sure mm-hmm. that we're, we're we're moving at the right speed at the right time. Uh, but I think in the last week, we're starting to see an acceleration of, okay, let's some of those projects that were slowed down a little bit. You know, maybe it is the right time to start playing a little bit more offense and picking it up as opposed to playing defense.
0: All right. Good. Yeah, because there's only so long that defense feels like a good position. And then it just I think it can make you feel a little more beleaguered than anything else. Um, We've got one question here. Now, this is a more personal question. They want to know if you prefer Star Trek or Star Wars.
1: I personally prefer Star Trek. uh, And let me tell you why. Because, because I, I love the idea that, that you travel the galaxies and the universes and you get to meet interesting people and mm-hmm. then you, you learn from different cultures and that's been like my career and, and my life, wanting to learn yeah. about people and cultures and, and, yeah. and diversity and, and so I, I enjoyed that and I also enjoyed the science behind Star yes. Trek. If you think about what we have today with the iPhones and the, and the watches and uh, mm-hmm. what they had in Star Trek with the tricorders. I
0: know.
1: And being able to take your temperatures and, and all that. And I just love the science of Star Trek.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Star
1: Wars, I love it because it's an action-packed, you know, it's shoot em more up More superhero
0: but, stuff. Yeah, but more superhero
1: yeah. shoot em up adventure. But Star yeah. Trek, I'm a big – I love science. I love math. And uh, yeah. just you know, when I see some of those episodes and some of the technology that was created back in the 60s, if you think about yeah. this – yeah. That now is coming to fruition. I'm like giddy because I'm, I'm like just imagine Especially in a situation like this where I can have a tricorder that can you know, tell you how healthy you are Just yes. by a little You know, imagine okay. if we had that today, you yeah. know where we would be so yeah So i'm, I'm definitely more struck, right?
0: Well, my and me too my uh, yes, exactly living <laughs> long and prospering That's right. um My all-time favorite piece of technology, which hasn't been invented yet was um, jean-luc picard's the replicator Ooh, that thing yeah. in the wall, you went over and you said, and he would say, Earl oh, Grey tea, hot." And boom, there'd be a cup of tea. <laughs> right. so I, I remember I would refer to this when I was at Computer World. I was the editor-in-chief of Computer World before CIO Magazine. And I would have vendors come in and they would want to do briefings on their technology. And it was always with like a 40-page PowerPoint that they were making you sit through. And you know, they'd inevitably get to a point where they'd say, so isn't this amazing what we're doing? And I would say, it's not the replicator. And then I'd have to explain about it. And they would sit there looking at me like they were You're thinking, like, why oh. am I wasting my time with this yeah, one? Yeah. You need to
1: go binge watch some movie, some Star Trek in order.
0: Exactly. To- exactly. The replicator. And actually, when you were just saying how we miss being around the office, I think we also miss if we had 3D communications where you actually had a holographic version of someone oh, yeah. in front of you. That would feel, again, more human because I do think there is – it's unfortunate that we're calling this social distancing the six-foot thing. I've heard some counselors and psychologists talk about how we should just be calling it physical distancing because we, we don't want to be socially distant from each other. We actually are very social. Human beings are very social. Uh, even the introverts, right? Maybe even especially the introverts. Um, well, let us segue a little deeper into some of your business and technology initiatives mm-hmm. that you've got going on, maybe uh, what it might change in the uncertain times ahead. But I know that you've done a lot of work both in cloud and, uh, and data. I want to talk about your global data hub. But first, let's, you'd mention that you're moving to right now you're in the midst of co-locating your uh, data center to a managed private service cloud. Uh, talk a little bit about that how is that project going and then and then after that we'll dive into the data hub
1: Yeah, so again as as we move more to the cloud, you know, we've we've kind of shrunk in our footprint at our data centers uh, Over the years and so, you know as as we looked at where we are today and, and what is in our data centers uh, You know, we made the determination that uh, you know it we really need uh, a little bit more of a managed service uh, offering, uh, but we still like the idea of a private cloud just for key systems. Um, and then again, just looking at my team size, uh, we don't have a, a large infrastructure team. And so being able to transition them away from, um, you know, turning on the lights and flipping the switches off on servers and be able to really focus on strategic performance, you know, next gen technologies. Uh, I felt it was the right time to to move us away from a traditional data center um, situation and so we we were we started out at the end of the last year planning for it uh, and then we're still in the process of of kind of putting things in place for it to hopefully make the transition later this year Mm -hmm. Uh, and we've been moving that along you know slowly of course uh, with this situation but uh, you know we expect that to accelerate again but again it's just uh, you know when when you have a team member you know i I like to say we have a small team of of it team members and we have 40 to support over 4,500 employees in, in 24 countries and 25 cities uh, you know we really need to focus on more strategic things. And so uh, wherever mm-hmm. I can find um, you know situations where I can outsource or or find partners to assist, uh, we're going to look at those, especially in today's more cloud first environment.
0: Yes, well, and that makes your technology, all of your managers and the people on the team, um, it avoids, needing people that are drilled down so far into a single specialty. They're actually yes. managing outside providers. And I think, I think a lot of the technology world has moved that way. Mm-hmm. We have one of the specific questions that we had in about your technology setup was whether you're planning on revising your bandwidth requirements moving forward for the various properties that you manage. Is that something that that Heinz is in charge of as well? Or do the individual properties figure that out? I know you've, you've got the four food groups of different types of buildings buildings you manage. So it's probably different for all of them.
1: Yeah. So, so what we normally do is, is we work with some partners to, to help us identify the best options, if you will, um, at a property specific level. And so we've done that several years now. And so we, we normally work with each property to say, okay, here's some options, the same things you would do at your home for home internet. You can Mm -hmm. pay this amount, this amount, or this amount, and here's what you get. Uh, And so depending on the property, depending on the number of team members, depending on the Uh, criticality of maybe some of their tenants or some of their building control systems, you know, we'll recommend certain sizes, Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, each property will determine what they want or what they need. Uh, I mean, again, the good news is with technology uh, that's evolved around telecom, at least of course, before this situation, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, speeds have gotten much better, much faster. And, and so, um, and the the price points have gotten more competitive. And so most of our buildings are in pretty good shape. I don't think we had any issues from a performance perspective, uh, but we also have options. Uh, and so the carriers and, and our partners who help us uh, have a pulse on, on what the prices are and what the offerings are. And so we just work individually with each building and mm-hmm. each um, segment, multifamily versus industrial as an example.
0: Okay. Uh, another question we had was that um, talking about IT budgets, and then maybe for a lot of companies, the might actually being going up because of the amount of technology we use now and of the COVID situation. But a lot of companies are now concerned about cybersecurity and privacy, like GDPR. Maybe more, I, it's hard to imagine them concerned more so than they were before, but it might actually be ramping up in some industries. Do you expect? To see just across the board more investment in information security.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think most organizations will tell you, and I think most CIOs will tell you, is is that we haven't spent enough. I mean, I think, but but there's also a fine balance between saying that you spend enough and then still getting breached. I think you know one of the things I try to educate mm-hmm. Heinz leadership about is it's not about how much money you spend; it's about where you spend it and and what mitigation uh, you have, right? Because again, you hear about these major organizations that are spending millions and millions of dollars on cyber, they still get breached. So um, so I think, again, I think, yes, each organization probably needs to figure out a way to enhance their cybersecurity posture. Uh, okay. So I would expect the budget to go up um, within our respective organizations, but I don't think it'll be uh, a huge bump to what we've already done, uh, but at least it'll create more awareness. And so mm-hmm. if we do need to you know, Pivot and, and use different technologies or in, introduce different technologies at least hopefully that for an IT leader the conversations will be Be easier or more comfortable with their leadership.
0: Yes. Okay, excellent. All right Let's talk about I know you want to talk about that global data hub and so do yeah. I and there's also a very Clever thing from your marketing department about how that name was chosen. You refer to it internally as the GDH and mm-hmm. that has Significance,
1: right? Yeah. So um, again, like most organizations, we a few years ago, we we you know all we've all had data, we've all had information within our respective organizations, but too many times it's in multiple silos, and and you know we, when you get asked, hey, how are we doing, and you know from a financial perspective, or how are we doing in this region, this market, um, it, a lot of times it became a mad scramble of uh, emails and phone calls trying to aggregate that data for that report or that that quarterly um, send out, and so. A few years ago, we started working on this project to really aggregate all the information into a of a data warehouse and, and other organizations have done data warehouses in the past. And, and there are some solutions out there that, that tout, but we felt that uh, we, our needs were very specific. And so we decided to build our own internal mm-hmm. structured data warehouse. And, um, and so as we were building it, uh, like aggregating our data and, and collecting our data, and we have a team that's called the Business Technology Group that's actually spearheading the development the uh, the business side of that. Uh, and then my team is actually building the, the, the architecture and, and the foundation. So it's a, it's a great partnership between segments of, of Heinz. Uh, yeah. You've got really strong business technology group members that know the business, know investment management, know the data. Mm-hmm. And we have a research team, we have a data analytics team. And then you have my team who's building um, the, the enterprise, if you will, the ship. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyways, as we were building it, we were trying to figure out the name and we were coming up with different names and uh, um, you gotta, gotta love our marketing teams. But, uh, they they thought about the name Global Data Hub, um, you know, and then we were like, oh, that sounds great because it's global, it's a data, it's a hub, and mm-hmm. and then they said, by the way, it also is the initials for our founder Gerald D Hines, and we just like mind blown, <laughs> uh, we were like oh, that's that it's got to be that name. I mean, Absolutely. think about the fact that it, it's a good name from a Global Data Hub perspective, but it's also the initials of our founder. It's a win win. Uh, so we were pretty okay. uh, excited about that, and then uh, so yeah, so we've been working on that. Uh, we've rolled out segments of it. Uh, leadership mm-hmm. loves it. Uh, they're asking us to go faster uh, again. Credit wow. to the business technology group and, and their team for for really, um, you know, championing it and and uh, coming to us with the requirements. And then my team for uh, the speed that they're building this thing is just has been phenomenal. Uh, and yeah. so I think again, it slowed down a little bit during the last month, month and a half. But we we've had some meetings recently, and we're just ready to pick it up again. And uh, and now yeah. that now they're leveraging this hub to even tell us. Where we are from financial perspective and what the what it could look like you know six months 12 months 18 months from now and so mm-hmm. uh, before this data hub that would have been a huge exercise in trying to aggregate a bunch of information from multiple sources and so again you know sometimes you get lucky uh, and you think you have a crystal ball but because we have it today we're able to leverage it for forecasting even further out with this crisis oh and
0: yes oh that's great well and the um <laughs> You know, you'd also mentioned that you've got this has required having data scientists mm-hmm. on staff as part of this. And honestly, you don't think of a real estate management company as the kind of place that data scientists are going to end up. How how do you do in the Houston area? I know how tight the technology market is there. I think I've been told a few times it's like 0% tech mm-hmm. unemployment for people with the right skills. How do you find these data scientists? How do you how do you bring them to Heinz?
1: Well, I mean, I think, again, you said it, I mean, it's, 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 it, it's not traditional that real estate firms would have data scientists, but if you think about the amount of data we collect from our buildings and the amount of financial data we collect and investment data, it's, it, it, it's shocking to me that we haven't, as an industry, done this more yeah. uh, historically. Now, we do have a research team that we established uh, several years ago that has been doing a lot of this heavy lifting, and, and some of our data scientists actually came out of that research team. So, so we had some brainpower there already. Um, you know kind of doing the the traditional more forecasting and and they're an amazing team as well but out of that once we started building this data hub we realized we were going to need more dedicated folks for the data hub itself and and again future needs Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we tapped into some of those team members and they're starting to build their team as well. Uh, You asked about the the question about resources Uh, right or wrong they're based out of Boston and so you know we made the determination again because we are a global firm and we are kind of remote working already in a lot of areas that Mm -hmm. made sense to keep them where they are. Uh, And so, you know, wherever the talent is, that's where we're going to find them and and bring them to real estate. And I think what we've proven and some of our competitors are doing some something similar now, but what we've proven as an industry is that that real estate can be exciting, can be fun. There is a lot of potential. uh, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's not the stodgy old real estate that maybe folks thought, uh, when they thought about commercial real estate and, and the different verticals we're in. And so we're, we're finding more, more success in bringing you know, really strong team members to Heinz and, and other real estate firms. But just as an industry, I think uh, people have woken up to the fact that this is a very viable industry.
0: Well, in the um, there's such a lot of interest around smart homes and smart buildings, and I mean, I keep hoping that I actually will see a replicator one day, that I will walk into I'll probably walk into the uh, lobby of a uh, building Heinz manages, and I'll be able to get a cup of Earl Grey tea hot before I go up to my meeting. That's um, right. Or better yet,
1: um, you'll have one of the robots take go to a replicator, grab it, and deliver it to you.
0: Oh, yes, yes. I probably would like that as well. Um, And that reminds me, when it comes to some of the emerging technologies, the things we hear about, it always gets mentioned as AI and machine learning and robotics uh, all kind of get lumped together. How much of that are you tinkering with now? What have you, do you have anything that's actually in production from those really little further out on the edge technologies?
1: Yeah, so so I would say, you know, not in mass, but we do have. Um, you know, we've looked at robotic process automation (RPA's), and we do have a few in house, and we are starting to actively work on more. Uh, so, I think RPA's is definitely something that's here. Again, it's software-based, so it's not hardware, uh, mm-hmm. but just automation. I think you know, as as we've all done within our respective firms, we try to automate as much as we can, and and RPA's have accelerated the opportunity to do that. Uh, some of the tools have automation built in, so that's helped as well. But so RPA's yeah. is definitely something we're doing stuff with. I think uh, you know, virtual tours, uh, you know, because we are in multifamily and, and residential, we are in student housing and, uh, you know, we are leveraging some of the virtual tours, the 3D tours. Uh, so again, I think virtual reality uh, will start to surface a little bit more. I think it's one of those mm-hmm. where we thought it would be much more by now. Yes. Uh, I even made some presentations a few years ago around virtual reality and, and the next evolution of technology, and it didn't really come to fruition. Mm-hmm. But I think you're seeing it now. Uh, we have that in some in several places. I think 3D printing, same thing. I think we, mm-hmm. I, I was a big proponent. I even have one in the house around 3D printing. That's where some of my statues come from. No copyright oh. infringement. Um, <laughs> uh, but the, uh, but I think, you know, mm-hmm. same thing. It didn't evolve as much. But now, I mean, think about all the mask and all the plexiglass and everything that's being 3D printed now. Yes. Uh, so I think I think that's going to have a resurgence. So that's another one. From a robotics, pure robotics standpoint, you know, the construction industry is is doing some amazing things with, um, you know, robot mm-hmm. machinery. Uh, there's a company out there that we've been looking at through our <coughs> venture capital partner uh, that you know can run bulldozers and, and digging equipment on its own autonomously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, think about a construction site where there's no uh, humans having to drive the equipment; they can work 24 uh, seven in a safer environment. Right. You can have the humans really focus on making sure a QA and, and making sure things are done right and, and and the plans, but less focus on on the actual digging the dirt. If the mm-hmm. robot machines can do it, so uh, I think you're going to see a lot of that. Uh, think about factories that had to shut down because their employees can't go to the factories. Whereas mm-hmm. in the future, if you have more robots running those factories, uh, you know, again, we'll have to. Figure, I'd love to figure out what what to do with those employees because I don't want to turn this into a you know massive layoff situation. Right. Can we retrain? But uh, but yeah, I mean, think about if there were more robots running some of these factories, we wouldn't have to shut them down or yeah. distribution channels, trucking if there were robot trucks now that we've all talked about autonomous you know, Delivery trucks. And so I think you'll this is going to really accelerate a lot of the conversation around autonomous
0: Ah oh, interesting and of course i'm thinking back to skynet and to our mm-hmm. friends in the terminator movies I don't think any of us want to go that far
1: <laughs> right? yeah, don't, get, don't get control of all the robots to one company or one one machine. Yes,
0: that's right That's a good thing. And of course, I also think of all the um Women who in the probably mid 80s and early 90s Uh took up weight training in a much more serious way after watching linda hamilton do those (laughs) pull-ups On in the terminator movies. I know I found it very inspiring myself Um, all right, let us in our last few minutes here Let's talk a little bit about uh, your leadership advice and your lessons learned, not just during this crisis, but the things you've gathered up over your 25-year career so far, there's a lot of competing demands that come in on CIOs and chief digital officers. And I feel like you found a lot of great ways to spread the wealth of that around. So talk a little bit about some of your favorite <laughs> leadership lessons and the ones that you want to pass along to other, IT, uh, other CIOs and IT leaders out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you touched on a few of them. I think is is again, don't be afraid to show your soft skills, Don't be afraid to get to know your people, understand them, uh, you know, understand their challenges. Uh, make sure that you're being human. Uh, you know, we joke about robots all the time and them taking the worlds, but at the end of the day, every every employee, every manager, every leader out there needs to be human. Uh, even in IT, I mean, we we joke about the stereotypes about IT leaders being robots, but uh, no, you know, ne- never be afraid to be human. Uh, even in like a crisis like this, uh, you know, even though you want to stay calm uh, for your mm-hmm. teams and, and every business leader is trying to stay calm for your teams, you know, you have, yes. you know, the same stress, you have the same challenges. You know, I've got dogs, I've got children that can interrupt me any minute. And so, so I think understanding that and, and humanizing that and and showing your team that you are human uh, and that you are part of the team, I think yeah. has been number one. I think number two is is I, I've, me personally, I've I've never really liked titles. And so Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be a team member. I, I don't want to be their boss. I don't want. I want to be their team member as much as I can. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I have to make tough decisions uh, as a leader. But but you know, I sit out in the open with them as much as I can. I, I participate on all the activities. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just try to be you know a human first, and then an IT leader second. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think I give that advice to every IT leader out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, always always be a human first, um, and then I think just. Never, tr- never try to be the smartest person in the room. I think, I think as IT leaders, and I, I mentioned this to my team as well, is, is a lot of times, you know, folks, especially when it comes to technology, they're, they're apprehensive, they're afraid because they don't get it. And it's our job to make them feel comfortable. It's not our job to make them feel like we're the smarter than them. Uh, and so again, you know, we've talked about this in the past, no acronyms, keep it simple, mm-hmm. uh, you know, understand that they're, they don't understand technology as well as we do, but never feel like you have to be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I've approached that. And so I, I love to collaborate. I love to get other people's input. Uh, you know, we, I collaborate with the innovation team, with the business technology group, with operations teams. Uh, and I think having that nature of collaboration has allowed me to be participate in, in a lot of meetings, a lot of discussions that uh, people hopefully don't feel threatened uh, mm-hmm. by me and, and, and understand that I do want to express an opinion, but it is, it isn't a collaborative opinion. It's not me dictating or telling you that I'm smarter than you. And, and that's what I try to tell other IT leaders. It's, it's, like, it's like at the end of the day, our job is, is to make sure that people feel comfortable with technology. Uh, it's yes. not to make sure them understand technology. That's our job. But just make them feel comfortable with technology so that when you're having those conversations, they, they, you build credibility. And so I would say so some of those, some of those things that, that I try to pass along, and again, there's others, but uh, I would say those are the big ones. And I think those have helped me quite a bit and my team, who well, again, I have to give credit to for what they've done over the last month. Um, you know, really go get through this crisis, because those are, the, those are the things that we've always kind of done as a culture.
0: Yes. Well, and I think one of the things you said that this is really a time for CIOs to shine. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what you just talked about is one of the uh, big reasons that a lot of the CIOs I know are shining right now because of all the, just the way they approach technology and crossing that bridge to their business colleagues and making sure everybody's getting along on the bridge. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today we are at the we're at the end of the our hour and I wanted to thank our audience on uh, Twitter and on LinkedIn and on YouTube in IDG's Tech Talk channel. You've sent in so many questions I couldn't actually get to all of them, but I would encourage you to, if you're not already connected to Jesse Carrillo on uh, LinkedIn, uh, do like I do and send him a request and make sure that he's someone who is in your network. We will be posting uh, this, um, today's CIO Leadership Live will go up as usual on CIO.com, which is where the entire library lives, and it will also be posted um, on, it will be findable on LinkedIn and mainly also on our IDG Tech Talk channel on YouTube. And we will be back again in two weeks on April 27th. I'll be interviewing and talking with Nick Callisto, who is the CIO at Avery Dennison out in California, and we will talk about many of the same issues that we covered today and probably a whole lot more from a different industry. So thank you so much for joining us today and thank all of our, our viewers who sent questions in and special thanks to Jesse, who uh, essentially served as our very first test case. of a well, Again, I appreciate you,
1: you know, bringing folks into my home and uh, hopefully you guys had some fun and uh, I appreciate everything you guys are doing and look forward to the next uh, next sessions.
0: Good, me too. And thanks so much. And it was just a pleasure to see your movie room today, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Right, everybody you guys stay take healthy care. and safe. Yes, right. everybody stay safe, be well, and take care. And we'll see you on April 27th. Thanks. Thank you. This podcast is
1: produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.